I mean, I love chimes. When I was in high school in the band, they, uh, <clears throat> they moved me from being a clarinet player to a percussionist. And being uh, having played a clarinet, I knew how to read music, and so they stuck me on chimes and anything that had to do with <clears throat> notes. And that was one of my favorite things to do with chimes, but you haven't lived until you have been part of the 1812 overture with chimes. And if you ever go to a concert and watch an orchestra go uh, do the 1812 overture and just key in on the guy with the the little hammer in his hand on the chimes. That's going to be uh, something to behold. <laughs> and we did that when I was in high school. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 9 through 14. You might want to turn me down just a hair. I'm a little hot, I think. Uh, but as we look at um, <clears throat> this passage of Scripture, I'm going to hopefully, when you leave this place today, you're going to say, now that makes sense. I understand this a little better. Because to be honest with you, um, there have been times in my life, even though I know better, even though I know this passage of Scripture, uh, I look at people, and, and, um, and I know that many of you have, because sometimes you've even said it to me, uh, you look at people and you'll say, um, I don't understand these people. Why are they doing what they're doing? Why don't they understand what we understand? Why don't they see what we see? Why? And you may be like me, you just finally just get to the point where you're just looking at TV or listening to news or, or reading something, and you're just finally just going to say something like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> you ever said that? What, what's wrong? What's wrong with these people? And the truth of the matter is, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to a church that I said was both a marvel and a mess, and, and, and unfortunately he was writing to what I think is commonly called carnal Christians. And by carnal, we mean that they were saved, but they were living like they weren't saved. They were living out of the flesh rather than out of the spirit. And that's very possible. Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he told them to not walk according to the flesh, but to walk according to the spirit, because the two are contrary to each other. And there's, there's constant warfare between our flesh and the spirit of God. And so, so Paul understood this. It's just that the Corinthians had pretty much given up on the spirit and gone into almost total fleshly-like appetites and gone back to a lot of the things they were doing and in, in, in before they became a Christian. So <clears throat> Paul knew what was wrong with the church. He just needed to kind of get the back down to the foundation so they could understand what needed to be corrected, how it needed to be corrected, and, and where the key problem was. And I'm convinced today that this is very much true of the modern church. It's very much true of the modern Christian. And in fact, uh, as, as I observe what's happening in the church, as I observe what's happening in Christianity as a whole, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with these people? But in reality, what we see in this passage of Scripture is very telling. And, and as I said, I hope when we finish uh, examining it tonight for just a few moments, uh, it will help you a little bit uh, better understand what uh, spiritual discernment is and how it is that uh, Christians, particularly those who are walking in the Spirit, who are uh, looking uh, to the, the things of the Lord, how they can understand things and see things that other people cannot. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, we, we read these words from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth and, of course, to believers even today. But just as it is written, things that no eye has seen or ear heard or mind imagined are the things God has prepared for those 
who love him. God has revealed these to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the things of man except the man's spirit within him? So too, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. And we speak about these things not with words taught us by human wisdom, but with those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is understood by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Fathers, we examine the passage of Scripture that your Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write, not only to the church at Corinth, but to be circulated among the churches of his day through churches throughout the centuries, and even today as we read it here at East Highland Baptist Church. Lord, may your Holy Spirit, the one who inspired these words, also be the one who gives us exactly what this passage speaks about, discernment, wisdom, insight, and understanding, so that, Lord, indeed, we will understand why people do what they do, whether they are believers or unbelievers, and, Lord, the importance of walking in your Spirit so that, Lord, we can discern the things that are of you, and, Lord, we can know the things you want us to know, and we can do the things you want us to do because we're able to know these things by the work of your Holy Spirit in our life. And so, Lord, would you do this great work even tonight so that, Lord, when we leave this place, we have a better understanding of what we need to do and and why people are the way they are, and why it is so desperately important that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, do your great work in this place, and we will praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Apostle Paul is writing here about spiritual discernment. There's three things tonight, real quickly, I want us to just grab hold to, if we can, about spiritual discernment, so that that is understood. You know, we hear the word discernment, and, uh, and it, it, there's nothing really mystical about it. It's just a spiritual event, something that God gives us. So first off, Paul addresses the possibilities of spiritual discernment. The fact that it is possible for a Christian, for a believer, to know God through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I today have uh, the Bible. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It was written by men inspired of the Holy Spirit. And so we know that the Bible itself is a spiritual book. It was, it was authored by men, but also authored by men who are led by the Holy Spirit. And so the things that are written in God's Word, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, these are spiritual things that are understood by spiritual people, people who have the teaching of the Holy Spirit. There's always for the Christian the possibility of spiritual discernment. In fact, Paul begins this discussion in verse 9, and I need to go back and remind you that when the New Testament letters were written, there were no chapters and verses. <laughs> this is all a continuous letter. We're fortunate that they broke the letters up and the Bible up and books into chapters and verses so we can 
kind of get there quicker. We'll know where to find something. But the reality is, if you ever look at a letter uh, from the Apostle Paul, or at least one that's closer to his time, if you look at a Greek manuscript, there are no chapters, there are no verses. This thing is a continuous discussion that Paul is given to the church. And so we've been looking at the things that make sense, and, and we've been looking at nonsense that is God's sense, and the things that the world thinks is sense, it's actually nonsense. We've been looking at a lot of different things as we've looked at earlier what Paul has said to the church at Corinth, but, but now he wants them to understand that what is important, what's necessary, is that they receive this wisdom from God that begins back in verse 6, and now he is uh, latching on to the fact that the wisdom of God will give us what we need in terms of spiritual discernment. So Paul begins with, I think, one of my most favorite verses that I like to quote to people. And if I, if I quote it in the King James, no eye has seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. That's such a powerful verse. If I didn't do anything but just give you that promise tonight and say, now go home, it would be a great promise that you could latch on to that God has prepared for his people, things that you cannot begin to understand. You can, your eye has never seen anything like it. Your ear has never heard anything like it. Your mind, and our minds can conceive of great things. Listen, uh, great things have been conceived all around the world by people who, who have the ability to do so. But folks, it has never entered into the heart of anyone what God has for those who love him. But the way that you and I know that is by a work of the Holy Spirit and by spiritual discernment. And this is something that you and I are blessed with when we are saved as God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we have the possibility of spiritual discernment. First off, to know what God has prepared for those who love him. You see, several things I could just point out, and, and this, the, the list would be endless, and I, we don't have time tonight. I could just si simply spend uh, a long time just in this alone. But what has God prepared for those who love him? Well, he's prepared for us salvation. Luke chapter 2, verse 31 uh, the Christmas story tells us God has prepared, and He has prepared from the beginning of the beginning of the work of creation, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was the Lamb slain. So God has been preparing all throughout history, all throughout creation, our salvation. And I marvel at that. I marvel at the fact that God already knew Adam would sin, Eve would sin, that sin would enter into the world, that there would be a fallen race called mankind that would need to to uh, be saved and that God had already instituted all the things necessary so that he could even speak the words as he's punishing the man, as he's punishing the woman. And then he gets to the serpent and he lets the serpent know that because of what the serpent has done, because he's led them into temptation, has created the fall, that while he might bruise the heel of the wo woman, the seed of the woman was going to crush his head. Now God knew that from the very beginning. How did he know that? Because God had prepared salvation. Now, folks, you and I need to understand that because when you and I are saved, this is not something that happens on a whim of God. It's rather a part of God's overall plan of redemption that he put into place when he uh, created the worlds. But he has prepared salvation. So that's one of the things that the eye has uh, not seen or the ear heard or the mind imagined is, is the way in which God has and is and will ultimately bring salvation about for you and for me right now we know how god saved us but you and i cannot even begin to conceive of what is ahead for those who love the lord i mean we have a description in the book of revelation john in revelation 21 about the new 
uh, Jerusalem and, uh, and the new heaven and the new earth. And, and, you know, so we can just marvel at the fact that there's going to be a completely new heaven and a new earth. And when I say heaven, not the place where God is, but I'm talking about the, the sky. Right now we've got Sputnik or, or whatever all these different uh, probes and things out there, Voyager and uh, V'ger, if you watch the, uh, the um, uh, Star Trek movie. But you got all these different things that are floating around out in space, and they've got recordings of, 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 of our music and things about us. And, 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 and you know, uh, all we're trying to do is poison some alien people out there somewhere. I don't know. But here we got these probes. There's man made things all over the place. Guess what God's going to do? I'm wipe all that away. There are things buried in the earth that you and I have yet to find. Every time I find. Uh, an article about something that's been discovered, dug up, and, and they found a tomb, or they found this, or they found that, and they've dug it up, and there's treasures, and there's this, and there's that, and there's all this other stuff. And I think to myself, you know, one of these days, what hasn't been found will never be found because it'll be burned away. I don't know if you do this, but every now and then I walk in my house and look around and realize that everything I have one day will be gone. And I don't mean gone because I'll be gone. I mean gone because God's just going to burn it all away. We cannot imagine what God has for those who love him in terms of a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city, Jerusalem. We can't even really imagine all the things that are yet ahead of us in life for eternity with Jesus. But God has already known what that will be, and he's making preparations for that, so he's prepared salvation. And Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 34, that God is preparing a kingdom, and it's going to be a kingdom in which he will reign as king, but but you and I will be part of that. We will reign with him and we will be joint heirs and we will, we will have our place in, in the kingdom of God. What a, what a thing to contemplate. But that's not even uh, all that God has prepared for those who love him. It's salvation, a kingdom, but, but also a position. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 23, in that chapter 20, you know, that's where the disciples are wondering about who's going to sit at the left, who's going to sit at the right. And Jesus makes an interesting comment that the Father's going to determine it. He's already determined our position, where we're going to be. I want you to think about that, because he already knows how we're going to live our life. But God is going to give us responsibilities and positions and places based on how we're living our life for him. So isn't it amazing that God has already got that done? He has prepared salvation for us. He's prepared a kingdom. He's prepared a position other things, you know, Jesus told the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And, and so God has always been about preparation, and, and God prepares for those who love him. And that's what makes the possibility of spiritual discernment so real. Because God has prepared a way for you and I to know him, to know about him, to know what he wants, what he desires in our life, if we will be in tune with him. That's amazing what God will do. But also on the other side of this, the flip side, what God has prepared for those who resist him. See, the thing is, and this, this is a part of this, but it's the negative side, is God has prepared for those who love him, but that means God's also prepared for those who have resisted him, who have challenged him, who, who have turned away from him. In fact, uh, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 and 46, Jesus talks about why hell was created. You know, hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was never intended for anybody to ever go there. 
God didn't say from the very beginning, I'm going to create a bad place for bad people. I'm just going to make a bad, bad place. Uh, no, the, Jesus said it very specifically. He said it was created for the devil and his angels. But the problem is when people resist God and they resist and they rebel against and reject the plan of salvation God has put in place for them, well, there's no place in heaven. So he has made a place for them. And the sad thing is that that's also been prepared. And then also he is prepared for the unprepared. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And uh, he talks about heaven being a, a prepared place for prepared people. But for people who are not prepared, there's something prepared for them. Jesus told parables about people who weren't adequately dressed for the wedding or who were, uh, did not have this qualification, the, 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 uh, the, the, the uh, virgins who did not have the oil that was necessary. When you look at all the different parables that Jesus told, for those who were unprepared, and that's one thing he stressed over and over, be waiting, be watching, be prepared. And for those who are unprepared, God has prepared for the unprepared. And it's not good. They're shut out of the kingdom. They're shut out from His presence. They're shut out from all these things the Bible promises for those who love Him. So there's the possibility that you and I have a spiritual discernment because God has made it possible for us through the Holy Spirit. It's one of the things He has prepared for us. But there's this, not only the possibility of spiritual discernment, there's also the principles of spiritual discernment. And they're also included in this passage of Scripture. And it begins in verse 10. So look at verse 10 where it says, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Now we have some Christian brothers and sisters of other denominations, other groups who do not believe that the Holy Spirit actively works in the lives of believers. Well, that goes against everything this passage of Scripture teaches. Paul here says this Holy Spirit is always active. There are many passages of Scripture that talk about the active work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. But this passage of Scripture specifically says God has revealed things to the Apostle Paul, to others, but he also is still revealing through his word things to us by his spirit i'm a personal walking testimony that there's things about the bible that i would not have understood or would not have known except god gave me the ability to see it and understand it but i can understand why people who are not saved would not even begin to grasp nor understand to them it is absolutely total foolishness i don't know about you but when i've talked to people in depth about the lord when i've talked to them about the bible when i've talked to them about things concerning uh, the Christian faith and, and so forth, uh, it is foolishness to them. And I'm thinking in my mind, why can't you get this? And then this verse pops up back into my mind that they can't understand it because these things must be spiritually understood and unless they open their hearts and lives to Jesus and receive Him by faith so that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in their life, they will never be able to discern this. They, not have, they will not have the possibility of discernment and they will not be able to discern because it goes against the principles of spiritual discernment. Because spiritual discernment is an activity of the Holy Spirit where God reveals. And notice it says, and then the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And, and it goes on to talk about how the Spirit is from God so that we may know things that are freely given to us by God. You begin to look at this passage of Scripture, you begin to see that the Holy Spirit does a lot of things, but one of the things is He gives and makes possible for people to understand the workings of God, to explore the things of God 
and to express the things of God. And you and I would not know of God except for the work of God. Did you know that? I, at seven years of age, I had been in church and I had heard about Jesus. And I could tell you about Jesus and I could tell you a lot about church. I could tell you a lot about a lot of things. But until that time came that I, as a seven-year-old boy, knelt beside the bed and my mother allowed me to hear the simple gospel message and led me in a prayer of faith so that I could receive Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. At that moment, even the things that I had known about the Lord suddenly became I knew the Lord. My world changed. My ability to understand things of God changed. Now, because I did this at seven years of age, it seems like that's just been a natural, normal, all-my-life experience. But for people who have not been saved until late in life, they can actually probably, in a better contrast, understand the difference between not knowing anything or understanding anything about God and suddenly being saved and suddenly seeing things that they had never seen before, understanding things they'd never understood before, and being able to do things they'd never been able to do before. All is a work of the Holy Spirit. Now that's a powerful thing to contemplate. But it's one of the principles of spiritual discernment that one must have the Holy Spirit so that the activity of the Holy Spirit will be at work in their lives. But then he also talks about the attitude of those who reject. Because he goes on to talk about the fact that who among men knows the things of man except the man's spirit within him? So too no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Wow. Wow. And it goes on to talk about how the people cannot receive. The, verse 14, the unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. And now here's the most powerful part of this verse. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. You know, something that Jesus did on the earth was he cured people of blindness. And he gave them sight. Now before Jesus gave them sight, you could talk about light all you wanted. But there was no light for them to see. It's an interesting thing that we talk about Jesus being the light of the world. And the Christian is supposed to be a light in the world to reflect the light of Christ. And to demonstrate and show the presence of Christ in our life. And, and so that we too become salt and light. But folks, people cannot see the light until they have sight. And you and I cannot give anyone sight, only God. And that's one of the reasons why you and I, as we share the gospel, and we talked earlier about how the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, because there's no power unto salvation within any of us, within a church, within a denomination, within any a prescribed way of sharing the gospel, whether it's the Roman road or faith or whatever uh, plan you want to use to share the gospel. There is nothing about that that is the power of God. It is the gospel itself that is the power of God, and only God can give sight. And that's why I said you can't be saved apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't know unless the Holy Spirit brings conviction and you respond in that moment in time where the Lord is at work and say, yes, there are people out there who say, well, I can get saved anytime I want to. No, you won't. No, you can't. You're saved as a work of God. 
And when God is at work, it's time to respond. It's time to listen to and receive the Holy Spirit. But folks, you and I in the church need to understand that people outside the faith, people in the world, the reason they're doing what they're doing, my wife had to remind me, you know, uh, something the other day I said something, and she said, well, you know, you preach many times. You know you, know you say this. Um, they're supposed to be like that. <laughs> and she was right. Lost people are supposed to do what they're doing today. Our society is becoming what it is because the vast majority of people in our society are lost, and they will act like lost people, and they are becoming more lost acting than ever before. Because we used to have laws and things that kind of were structured to kind of hem people in a little bit based on the Bible and based on Christian morals and ethics. Our, our country had been founded on Judeo-Christian ethics, so, so there's a lot about our legal system, about our laws, and about our government that was supposed to be able to rein people in, even though they were acting in a way they were supposed to act as lost people. But all of those things are being torn away. And we're beginning to see lost people act more like lost people. And they cannot understand the things that you and I understand apart from them becoming saved apart from the Holy Spirit we think in our minds that they can naturally understand these things Paul's telling us people cannot by themselves in a natural way understand the things of God and that includes even salvation except for God to do his great work so the principle of discernment is this you must receive the Holy Spirit so that you can have the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life you have to have the attitude of rejecting the spirit of the world, as it says in verse 12, and receiving the spirit of God through whom you can relate to everything that has to do with God. Again, look at verse 13. And we speak about these things, not with words taught us by human wisdom, which Paul has talked about earlier, but with those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Folks, only spiritual people can understand spiritual things, and only they can do that as a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, to people, that sounds crazy. They think mankind can do anything. They think the human mind can do anything. They think the human spirit can do anything. They think human wisdom can accomplish great things. And that's why the society that we live in, the government that we're under right now, and the people who are in control in, the, in places of, of education, in terms of the media, in terms of government, and every other institution, including within the churches of many of the churches in our country, Believe that the answer is to be found in mankind and man's reasoning and man's ability to do things. Well, folks, Paul would have none of that and he wanted the Corinthians to understand you're going down the wrong path because the path you're going down will not let you find anything that you need from God. It is only a work of the Holy Spirit. And we need that today. In fact, we need it desperately in the church. I'm convinced the reason the church is in trouble is because we're not really relying on the Holy Spirit. We really do think we've got some answers to our problems. And we can understand things apart from the Spirit. But folks, you and I need not only receive the Spirit of God, we need to relate to the things of God as the Holy Spirit would have us to, through Spirit-given words, through Spirit-imparted truth. That means we have to digest and get into the Word of God, which is God's way of speaking to us, and the Holy Spirit will then allow it to be properly received. You know, it's interesting thing about food when we eat food. I don't want to get gory here. But when you eat a nice piece of steak and then you follow that up with a nice piece of, uh, of some kind of 
vegetable or potato or whatever. Now, there's certain things in that food group that you're eating that is needed by the body, and your body has the ability to take all the stuff that you're putting into it and break it apart so that it can be utilized by your body. So you can have all the different vitamins you need and all the different minerals you need and everything else you need, but energy, the sugars, whatever it may be, but your body's able to take all of this stuff, break it all down, and then send it to wherever it needs to go and make you a healthy person. Well, spiritually, that's what the Holy Spirit does. You're going to feed on the Word of God, and He's going to help that become digestible to you. He's going to break it apart and turn it into spiritual food that you can then live by if you're willing to do what God says. But the sad thing, again, is most people in churches today are not spiritually minded, not really looking to the Holy Spirit to be the one who does what needs to be done in their life. They're not really relating to the Spirit of God. They're trying to live by the flesh. And again, Paul had to deal with this with the Galatians, and he had to deal with it even more so with the Corinthians who were trying to live out their Christian life in a carnal way. And Christians today are doing the same thing. And we need to get back to understanding what spiritual discernment is all about. Not only the fact that there is the potential or the possibility of spiritual discernment, but we have to relate to the Holy Spirit based on certain principles that God has laid out. And then Paul also talks here very quickly about the problems of spiritual discernment. That begins in verse 14. Just look at it again real quickly. The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. See, that's the problem of a lost person. You say, well, the problem of a lost person is if they die without Jesus, they're going to hell. Yes, that's, that's the end result. That is exactly what will happen if they never get saved. But for the present, they have a problem. And you and I need to understand that problem. Because when we're talking to somebody who's lost, there are certain things that are true about them in terms of spiritual discernment. Because Paul says very plainly, they cannot receive illumination of God and His Word, of His works, of His ways, of His Spirit. They can't receive it. They can't understand it. It's, it's not possible for them. He doesn't receive it because there's no one inside of him or her to make that work for them. And that's one of the reasons they need to be saved. That's why we need to be actively involved in sharing the gospel. Not because we can talk them into getting saved. This is not a salesman pitch that we're getting into. It's just simply telling them what they need to hear about Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit do His work. Because, folks, I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do His work, they're not getting saved. They have to have the Holy Spirit. And we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what we need to do in sharing the gospel. But the natural man does not receive uh, God's things, uh, cannot receive illumination from the Lord, does not respect illumination, could care less. Doesn't, to, to them, it's, it, uh, uh, Paul said, it's foolishness. They, they don't even regard it as anything important. Listen, right now our society regards us who believe the Bible to be true, who believe in Jesus Christ to be uh, the Lord who was crucified, buried, rose from the grave, is coming again. For those of us who believe in what the Bible says to be true and what the Bible says about Jesus to be true and, and all of this, listen, the world thinks that you and I are foolish. 
And they say so. And they're, they're saying it more so now than they ever did. I expect one day we're going to be labeled as mentally ill. Because we believe in Jesus Christ. Because it's foolishness to them. They don't receive it, they don't respect it, and they can't recognize it. This is why Paul says, again, going back to verse 9, The eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, nor the mind imagined the things God has prepared for those who love him. You see, the natural man can't. Can't see it, can't hear it, can't understand it. The eye, the ear, the heart, there's nothing here that will allow a natural person to receive the things of God. It is of the Spirit of God. Now, I know I'm being a little redundant here tonight, but I'm trying to impress upon all of us, and I'm reminding myself as well as I speak to you, that when we go outside these walls and we're talking to people who are lost, we're talking to people who cannot understand, receive the things of God, except God does His work. But he wants to work through us. First in sharing the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, so that if that person were to believe and receive Christ, they become aware and have the ability, the possibility of spiritual discernment, and their life begins in terms of a spiritual journey. I'll tell you what we've got right now going on in churches today, and I know it's well-meaning, but it's absolutely Contrary to the Word of God, we got people trying to get people ready to get saved. We're trying to get them spiritually prepared to be saved. Well, folks, you might as well be talking to a rock. We cannot get natural man prepared for spiritual things that come from the Holy Spirit. All we can do is share Jesus and let God begin His work. You and I can't do that. And unfortunately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to fix people. <laughs> we're trying to get them to not behave this way, not do this, not do that. We're trying to somehow clean them up a little bit, fix them up a little bit, so that then maybe they might want to be saved. Folks, they want nothing to do with that unless they get saved. And don't. But when they get saved, it all changes. See, we're trying to get people who are sexually immoral to... Stop being sexually immoral, and the church is working hard at condemning and criticizing and doing all that it does. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you something. They could care less. And the same is true with other things, whether it has to do with how they relate to laws, how they relate to the boundaries that are set uh, in their life, either by God, by the Bible, or even by society. They could care less. It's natural. It's normal for them. Because they can't receive, can't respect, can't recognize the things of God. But then Paul is addressing one other problem, and I'll deal with this and then I'll close. In the Corinthian church, there may have been some lost people who were in the church who had not yet been saved. That may have been part of the problem. But Paul's not really addressing this to natural people. He's addressing this to carnal people. People who have been saved, who, who receive the Holy Spirit, but they're not living by the Spirit, not walking in the Spirit, they're walking according to the flesh. Now, again, I will direct you to look at it after uh, another time if you want to delve into this a little further in Galatians chapter 5. But there Paul makes a great distinction between the difference between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. And you can see very clearly that all the works of the flesh, these were the problems in the Corinthian church. Why? Because they were carnal. Because they were no longer living the way they should live according to the Spirit. Had the possibility... 
but because they weren't walking with the Lord, because they were saying no and being disobedient, because they were returning back to doing some of the things they had done before they were saved, their mind was being closed off. They were no longer in fellowship with the Lord. That's a key thing to understand that Paul will later talk about in this letter to the Corinthians. Huge difference between relationship and fellowship. There are a lot of people who got saved, so they have a relationship with God. But because of their unwillingness to be obedient to the Lord, to do the will of God, to execute the things God wants them to execute in their life in obedience, then, then they fall out of fellowship with God. And when you fall out of fellowship with God, God gets strangely silent. There's actually a great Old Testament example of this, of Abraham. When God is speaking to Abraham in the land of Ur, he speaks to Abram and says, go take your family and leave. I'm going to show you a place. And so Abram begins this spiritual journey and this physical journey and he gets into the holy land and guess what when he gets to the land that god has promised he he uh god speaks to him makes himself known he even paid him a visit in flesh amazing powerful things god did with abraham but then abraham is a little worried about a famine and so what does he do he takes himself down to a place called egypt god didn't say go to egypt Abram said, I'm going to go to Egypt. He goes to Egypt. He gets in trouble with uh, Pharaoh because he lies about his wife. He picks up a young woman by the name of Hagar who has plagued the world ever since. Perfect example of why we don't help God out. But he, he goes down there and he takes, he takes his family. And you know what happens the whole time he's in Egypt? God is silent. There's no building of an altar. There's no discussion going on between Abram and God. I mean, God has cut him off, and there's no communication. There's silence. Until he gets back to where he's supposed to be, and when he gets back to where he's supposed to be, God speaks. And folks, that's what's happened to a lot of Christians in our churches. They've cut themselves off from communication with the Holy Spirit who dwells within them to the point that they can no longer discern what they need to discern. They can, but they won't. They have an inadequate appetite for the things of God, and they have an inadequate appreciation for what God wants to do. I say this and as best I can without judging people, but when I see people no longer wanting to be around God's people, no longer really caring anything about the Word of God, no longer caring about doing the things that God intends for you and I to be doing as Christians, I know they are out of fellowship with God. I don't judge their life. I don't judge their relationship with God, whether they're saved or not, but I can look and say, you're out of fellowship. When you lose your appetite for the Lord and the things of the Lord, when you lose your appetite for His Word, when you lose your appetite of being around God's people, when you lose your appetite to worship when you lose your appetite to, to simply grow and, and understand more and more each day what it is that you can learn about God. You know, this is one of the things the Bible says, we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an ongoing daily thing that we do, that the Holy Spirit does in us. When we lose our appetite for that, that's a key indicator. We have broken fellowship with the Lord. We become carnal. And the Lord never intended us to be that way and and so there's the problem of natural man that he can't, and there's the problem of the carnal Christian that he or she won't. I pray that we 
are in neither of those categories. As we're facing a new year, 2020, I pray it's our prayer that best that we know to do and can do, and with the work of the Lord in our life, we seek to walk in the Spirit and fellowship with our Lord. Amazing what God wants to do for us, with us, through us, and can and will if we are walking according to the Spirit. And it's amazing how much we forfeit and how much is closed to us because we won't. Spiritual discernment. The possibility is for every Christian. It's there. And it's there for us in terms of the principles that if we follow them, God will do all that he needs to do. But the key thing here is, will we? Because the problem of spiritual discernment is not with God. It is with us. When you and I cannot discern things the way God wants us to, that's not because of him. It is because of us. And my prayer is that this will be a year where we hunger and desire more than anything to know Christ. To know him, like Paul said, and let him work in our life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And as we, Lord, enter into a new year in just a few days, it's a, Lord, it's a reset that you placed on a calendar. You placed it in the Jewish calendar when you created the feasts for them to observe and including an opportunity to observe a, a new beginning each year. And Lord, we need those new beginnings because a lot of times, Lord, it's hard to find a stopping point and a starting point so that we can begin afresh with you, that our, uh, Lord, that we can do again what you've called us to do. And, and Lord, this coming year is, is a year for that. It's an opportunity for us, Lord, to acknowledge that apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. But Lord, you have given us, who have put our faith and trust in your Son, Jesus, you have given us of your Spirit. You have given us, Lord, every possibility of living for you, walking with you, serving you, and in whatever way, Lord, it is that you would have us to do, and wherever it is you would lead us. But Lord, forgive us when our mind has been set on the things of the world, when we try to do what we do, out of worldly wisdom, out of our flesh, out of our intellect, out of our abilities, when, Lord, it is you and only you who can do what needs to be done. So, Lord, in this time of invitation, may this just be a time for us to make a fresh and new commitment to you. Lord, to open ourselves once again to your word, to your will, to your plan, your purpose for our life. And to be completely obedient in every way. And to submit ourselves to you and to seek you with all of our heart so that you may be found. Help us, Lord, this year to be a people who are asking, a people who are seeking, a people who are knocking, and a people who are believing that you can do all things. And that we can do all things through you. 
because of what you have given to us in the way of strength, physically, spiritually, in every way. So, Lord, have your will and your way in this moment of invitation. May we respond in faith and obedience to whatever we need to do. And, Lord, if there is someone here tonight who has never trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, would you speak to them? And would they then say yes to you as you are at work, bringing conviction, letting them know that this is something they need to do, must do, and that they would do it? Have your will and your way in this moment in time. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to